And as I was saying to you earlier, I had spoken to Umundo Mushe, a colleague of mine, and he was telling me that, hey, you need to ask Ubabu Mateza about his interview with that big-time boxer from America. But when your standout moments, maybe three that well, you can uh, think we, of in your There career. are many people I interviewed. I remember there was, uh, I remember one time we had an, there was an athletics meeting in Petersburg, Pulukwane, mm. and there was this world champion javelin thrower, Jan Zelezny. Okay. Who, was, who came to throw here at an athletics meeting. And whilst we were all trying to settle down and they, what they normally do, they start with field events that are probably going to be problematic as we go along. Okay. So they start and they started throwing the javelin. Mm. With one throw, mm. the guy threw a world record. <laughs> I was asked to go and interview him. <laughs> Through a world record. He said, goodness me, a world record with one throw. Jan Zalesny. Mm. I interviewed Jan Zalesny. The other thing, in 1992, when South Africa was readmitted by the International Olympic Committee, yes. I was asked by the SABC, I think I had left the SABC already, but I was asked, I was, I was doing commentary on a freelance basis. What is this, Barcelona 92? Yeah, Barcelona 92. So I went to Barcelona. When we left for Barcelona, there was a strike at the SABC. Okay. <laughs> there was a strike at the SABC. This is during uh, the late uh, Zuelaka Zisulu's time. Okay. So now... Normally, strikers meet outside on the lawn. Mm, mm. And uh, mm -hmm. there's another thing I want to tell you before this. I should have started with that. Okay. But they meet outside and I say to them, look, and they were all saying, I must not go to Barcelona. You mustn't go. You mustn't go because you're going to be in trouble with us. Mm. If you go, you are a sellout. You mustn't go. And I said to them, you know what? In 1985, 87, I had a fallout with the SABC. I was at a tournament, boxing tournament at Sun City, where, Mark, where Mike Mycela, mm. is it Mike? Arthur Mycela, mm. was fighting Harold Fulbrecht. And we felt that Harold Fulbrecht got a cut above the eye. And halfway through this fight, Harold Fulbrecht decided he's not taking part in the fight any longer. And then the referee, Alfred Bukwana, didn't know what to do. And the tournament director, who happened to have been Stan Christodoulou stepped in and said it's a technical draw, which I meant mean. that Harold Fulbright retains his title. And I stood up and I fought against that. What were you there as a broadcaster? No, I went there as a, uh, I was invited by one of the producers. Okay, okay. So I, luckily they called a press conference and at this press conference I asked the questions. I asked, can you cite us an example anywhere in the world of a technical draw? Nobody could give an example. This is post the decision. Post the decision. Nobody could give an example until one guy who, was, uh, who knew his job because he was a publicist for the tournament mm. stood up and said, yes, there was a technical draw at the Rennes Stadium where Martin Barnard was fighting Pete Krause mm. for the South African light heavyweight title. Because it was an outside tournament, Midway through the fight, it started raining and the fight had to be called off. Oh. And that fight was then declared a technical draw. And I stood up and said... An act of God. Yes. And I stood up and said, that was a technical draw. Yes. But tonight, <laughs> your decision smacks of racism. <laughs> and that's how I ended. I lost my job. 
I was fired by the SABC. 87. 87. I was fired for by standing the SABC. up for, for what is right. I was fired by the SABC. And nobody, I told them there on the lawn, I said, nobody fought for me. Mm, mm. I had to fight my own oh, battles. So we, we arrived at Sun City, at, at Barcelona, the mm. following day, mm. after we left South Africa. We arrive. And then we hear the strike is over. Said, oh, now we are relieved you can work. Mm. So we worked. You know, Barcelona was such an eye opener. Because one of the things that happens is at the Olympic Games is that there is there's one big thing at the Olympic. It's the opening ceremony. And sorry, this was the first Olympic the, Games the first after Oli- South Africa. After, yes, was readmitted. Yes, yes. readmitted yes. First Olympic Games, uh, and then we we then have to do commentary on the opening ceremony. And I call my group together and I ask, "What do you talk about?" And I then said to them, "Look." Probably what we should do is to pick up on former athletes who did very well and the, our own athletes from South Africa and athletes from around the world who did very well at the Olympic Games, especially when the countries are moving into the stadium. Mm-hmm. You can then talk about the country and then say, remember so-and-so from so so And then I had to do Morocco. Okay. There's a guy called Said Owita from Morocco who was an 800-meter specialist and a 1,500-meter specialist. Mm. So Morocco comes in, and I have this name in my mind. And I said, do you remember? So, And I lost the name completely. I've already forgotten it now. <laughs> Said Owita. Okay. That is commentary for you. And it live, was live. Live commentary. Many people have never forgiven How? me for that. So th- th- there was no compensating or an alternative no, come up? No, with. I don't compensate. No, Egg on your face. How do yes. you carry on from such a plan? No, you must forget about it because one of the things we do in commentary when we teach people to do commentary, mm. we say you must never draw attention to the viewer, to the mistake. Mm. Go on mm. as if nothing has happened. Mm. Don't draw the attention of the viewer to the mistake. Mm. That's what we say. So... I, one of the things that I remember very well is in 96, you went to Atlanta. Okay. Mm-hmm. And in Atlanta... Remember, you're still telling me about your greatest moments and your greatest interviews, yes. right? You've only in mentioned at, the Atlanta, javelin thrower. In Atlanta, mm. I, uh, I, we go to this opening ceremony rehearsal. Mm. And as we leave the stadium, I lose my team. Okay. And they go into the bus and they go. And I am staying behind. I stayed behind. I said, goodness me, what am I going to do? Mm-hmm. I don't have a saint on me. We have not. We arrived that morning in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. I don't have money on me. I don't have anything. How am I going to get back to the hotel? And the hotel is outside of town in a place called Marietta. Okay. So I then said, goodness, what am I going to do now? And I walked around, went to a taxi, and the taxi guy, when he heard I don't have money, he drove off. And uh, I then walked around there, and then something said to me, go down this road. Mm. And I walked down that road. Luckily, that road led me to the station. When I got to the station, I met what was called the Olympic police. And they asked me, where do you come from? I told them I'm from South Africa. I lost my bus. I don't know how I'm going to get it. I don't have money on me. And they said to me, okay. You will get your taxi. Don't tell the taxi man you don't have money. Okay. We'll, we'll f- can we phone somebody at the hotel 
to get your money at leave oh, you twenty dollars okay, at reception. Okay, okay. So we phoned a guy called Robin Campthorn, who was our boss mm. at Sport. So Robin left a twenty dollar note at the reception. So I get into a taxi. We drive off, mm. and that's how I survive. It's now one o'clock in the morning. The next day, I must wake up to go and work. Mm-hmm. But anyway, my 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 best time at in Atlanta was my interview with Andrew Young. Andrew Young was the first black to be appointed by Jimmy Carter as the U.S. ambassador to the United Nations. Okay. And just before the Olympic Games, he came, because he was in the organizing committee, he's from Atlanta, he came to South Africa and got married in South Africa and he was married by Bishop Tutu. Okay. So I asked him about this story. Why choose South Very nice interview. Mm. When I inquired about the interview, I asked, where is the interview? I was told it was wiped. Oh, I said, oh my word. I said, archives. I said, was wiped. And those are some of the stories that really resonate with me mm. in commentary. Because one of the things I have taught myself when you are a broadcaster become a complete broadcaster don't become a half-hearted half broadcaster half-baked broadcaster become a complete bro know the environment in which you are working for yes. i used to go if i was going to do a soccer match which soccer starts at three but i would be there by 11 o'clock 12 o'clock i'm there i'm in the stadium mm-hmm. because one of the things you want is the the atmosphere is the 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 ambiance, mm-hmm. the, the the all those things that mm-hmm. goes. With. So, for instance, what I normally tell Get the feel of the build-up. Exactly, <clears throat> I normally tell people when Eric Tinkler was going to go and play in Portugal, mm-hmm. I arrive at Wits and I stand around there, have a chat to people, and then I meet Eric Tinkler's father, mm. and Eric Tinkler's father tells me that after the match, Eric Tinkler is going to the plane, he's going to Portugal. And I was the first to get that story. Mm, mm, mm. And in my commentary, I mentioned this thing, and everybody comes to, runs to me, wants to know, how did you get this? Oh. So no, I got it from his father, he told me. And that's how, what I get from going to the stadium early. You get all of these. For instance, one of the things that a lot of people, supporters of Kaiser Chiefs, Pirates, and all the other teams, they would come and ask me about a reference decision mm, mm. because I was the authority, according to them. The other thing I enjoyed doing commentary on was boxing, especially in East London. Mm, mm. East London is the only place in the world where a spectator would sit there and watch a tournament and watch a fight. Mm. And when a boxer is being pilloried, being beaten, mm. the spectator would be, get up and go to that corner and say, do this and this and this and this. And, <laughs> go, back, yeah, and go back to his corner, to his seat. And that boxer will do exactly what that guy was saying and win the fight. And I mean, we, we grew up to to you <laughs> and Utix doing that, that comment. Exactly. I'd thrown a good social media, good Facebook, that I'll be interviewing Utumile Matez. And these guys were throwing Letemia Kopesia Pa. <laughs> How was that experience? Because well, it that, looked that like it sounded like you guys had chemistry in Apayanutix. Well, the, one of the things about Dixie, Dixie was very—he liked boxing. 
Okay. He liked boxing a great deal. He took a great deal of interest in mm. the sport. Mm. And when somebody likes something and you you meet halfway, yeah. we, we used to have differences because I used to fight with him about, he used to say, I think so-and-so is ahead on points. I said, no, don't do that. You can't say so-and-so is ahead on points. <laughs> yes, influencer is. No, worse. because okay. what's going to happen is one of the officials will be phoned by somebody at home and that person will say, but that guy oh, at the <laughs> and then he'll come to you and ask you, show me your scorecard. Don't say on my scorecard I have so when you don't have a scorecard. Like as well. If you have a scorecard, mm. then you can say that. Mm. But also qualify that by saying my scorecard means nothing. Mm. It is the official scorecards that count. Mm. For this is one of the things we used to be very good at are all the technical things. Okay. Uh, for instance, when a when a, a referee stops a fight and take I say I'm taking one point from you, mm -hmm. from a boxer for doing something wrong, and he goes to each judge and say one point from him, one point from one. Point. So what what's going to happen? We used to explain those things. Mm. What's going to happen now is the judges are going to score the fight, not ignore it. They're going to write that point they are told to subtract on the side. Okay. And they're going to score the fight as they were going to score the fight anyway. Okay. And, and after the fight, the cards will go to the tournament director. And it is the tournament director that's that going to subtract the point. Okay. And okay. people used to like those mm, things. Mm, Say, ah, mm. oh, this I, I didn't know. <laughs> you know, it, it, okay. people used to like those mm, things. Mm. And, and those are the things that make... A comment, a commentator. We miss you on TV. What's happening to sports commentary nowadays? Well, I don't know. Uh, it's, it's, it's different it's, when <laughs> from your day in the eighties and the nineties and and today, specifically South African sports broadcasting and commentary. Yes, one of the biggest problem we sit with in this country, in all aspects of life, is people don't want to read. People believe the things they read on Twitter. People believe the things they read on, on Facebook. People don't believe the things that are written in books. Mm -hmm. For instance, these days you can truly say, it is true what our forefathers were saying. Mm -hmm. You can take a million rand and put it in a book and leave it here. Nobody will pick it up because nobody will open that book. How do you get people to read? Well, people must read. I don't know how do you get people to read today because there's f fake news on, on Twitter and people believe these things. Mm. For instance, one of the things uh, I normally talk about, I had a big fight with a friend of ours whose name will remain nameless, <laughs> who works for some radio station at the SABC. Uh. We had a big fight about a judgment, a constitutional court judgment, and she is posting a summary of the judgment. Say, this is the judgment. I said, no, this is not the judgment. Go and read the 150 pages <laughs> of the judgment so that you understand why the court came to this decision. You are not going to pick it up in a summary. And that is the problem we have in this country. <laughs> Talking about social media and people believing what's happening in social media, I'm actually Googling you right now as we sit here. These are the results I'm getting. Dumi Le Mateza, Twitter, Dumi Le Mateza, tweet <laughs> and as i had said to you earlier on i told about i'll be sitting with U legendary mr mateza they asked about this twitter incident that had you in a panic and a trending hashtag hashtag my show please you couldn't even spell his name fully what happened Pratums? no 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 People I, deserve I, to know. I received this uh, tweet 
and for the sake of me, I opened it, mm. which I should have opened. Okay. But because when I opened it, it registered on my Twitter account. Okay. And that is where the problem had. Mm. And people picked it up. One well, of the first people to pick it up was Samuel Skeet. Okay. And my show me. And then now I, I'm panicking. Mm. I don't know how to remove this thing. And somebody <laughs> helped me. Tell her, go WhatsApp. Yes, I said my WhatsApp is the instead of my Twitter account. Was it hacked? Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. it's, it's just that phrase that everyone throws out there. Yeah, when something exactly. Happens. Something happened. So, I, so I, there you have it. It was not hacked. No, it was not hacked. It, it, no, I, I opened a tweet that was sent to me. Okay. And then I, I and it registered on my account. Mm. And I just don't know how that happened. Mm. It was a nightmare. And I, I, I'm sure it's not that you didn't know how to delete a tweet, but panic of the moment. You, you know, you don't know what to do. Because now people are t- retweeting and sending messages and what. Luckily, others mm. actually understood. Yeah. And others completely used it uh, for their own ends. And, and and you can understand that because I always pick up a lot of fights on Twitter with the supporters of the EFF and they had a field day. <laughs> they had a field day. <laughs> how, how did you feel? How how was your day? That no, no, no. I just had to... going through your mind? I, 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 mode? I, I, I just had to... In the end, somebody helped. I think it's Andy Sue Makinana helped me. Mm. And Andy Sue told me, do this, do this, do this. And I was able to do that. But people had already taken this thing yeah, yeah. And uh, and retweeted it. So each time I had to go back and remove things because one of the things that 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 began to happen, uh, people say, hey, "You are trending." I said, "Well, I expect that." <laughs> Did you follow the trend? <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. People said you are trending. It was quite funny because Abandu they had taken that hashtag. Obviously, we parlay in panic. I think while sitting in my, my show, may please help. Or yes. something like that. And I think you ended up saying, hey, my, my show, show mm. please. Right. <laughs> yes. So about who went with that, my show, please. And they were just <laughs> tweeting stuff and adding that. It was a, a funny, probably <laughs> embarrassing moment. It, it actually you. says, mm. you must be very careful about social media yeah. when you get into so very careful. Mm. Uh, probably I'm, I'm, I'm probably not careful as I am supposed to be. I still tweet because I believe this is a free world. Yeah, Anybody yeah. can tweet anything but i'm sure you 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 got a a lot of publicity in terms of your twitter account do did you keep a tag of the number of followers you have i'm sure you gained well quite I, a significant I, I, number I think i now have about eight thousand followers mm, mm, mm. Yes. yeah you're you're close to nine thousand i think yes. i checked the other day oh you checked the other day you know it's 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 uh Broadcasting is not what it used to be mm. because people don't understand the value of broadcasting. People don't understand the, uh, you, you get new people into the space and uh, you, you listen to, for instance, mm. you listen to analysis on television and you say to yourself, I don't know what is going on in mm. this world because people tend to, I was listening to an interview on the arrival of the uh, royal family couple here prince harry and Meghan markle Mm. and people are asking why do we have to be excited about the royal family now what people do not realize south africa was a colony of the united kingdom 
And secondly, when Queen Elizabeth was appointed to the throne and her father died, she was actually here in South Africa. Okay. When her father died, uh, uh, King Edward, she was actually here in South Africa. And she was then had to be thrown into the deep in end. Early 20s or was she was in the late she 20s? She was in the, in the late 20s, mm. in the early 20s. Mm. She was thrown in the deep end to be the Queen of England. Mm. Yes. And that's what I expect. As I was saying yesterday, somebody was talking about, there was a, I, I, took, oh, I took part in this discussion on 702 yesterday about apparently in, during the World Cup in Japan, they said players must not show uh, tattoos because tat a tattoo in Japan is associated with a gang oh, yes, in Japan. Yes. Mm. And I said, but surely your job as a broadcaster is to go deep into the story and you will discover that on, eh? you will discover that in places like the South Sea Islands, that is Samoa, Fiji yes. and Tonga. Mm. Tattoos are a culture. They tattoo the whole arm. Yeah. Where are we going to hide the whole arm? <laughs> they tattoo the whole arm up to here, this side, both sides of the arm. And it probably has a cultural significance. It's a cultural, it's, it's, it's a cultural significance. It's got nothing to do with gangsterism. What are you going to do? So you've got to tell people that background before you say to them they must comment. Give yeah. them that background. Mm. If you are going to talk about the royal family, give people the background who were a British colony. Mm. As a result, the only time, one of the reasons why we had a detachment from the British colony is because we created, we made ourselves a republic. Once you become a republic, you are taking yourself out of that milieu. Okay. We were also kicked out of the Commonwealth. We're not part of the Commonwealth. We went back to the Commonwealth after 1994. Mm. For instance, countries like Australia, New Zealand, Canada, the head of state is still the queen. Okay. And you must tell people those things with VR broadcaster. But we don't get those things. Yeah, young people nowadays are all about decolonizing. So and I, they're I also, personally, you I know, get the, them problem is, the problem of decolonization is. <clears throat> For instance, there's something that I normally say. Earlier, we spoke about we spoke about um, heritage tourism. Yes. Uh, one of the things about the Eastern Cape, there's so much they can gain if they can exploit the heritage tourism. Mm. What is it? The heritage tourism are all those forts the British built. There are about 200 forts in the Eastern Cape the British built when they occupied that part of the world. And I say to people, if you can refurbish those things, the British will actually help you to refurbish those things. And heritage tourism is a huge thing in the UK. It's very huge. And I don't understand what kind of people are we, do we have who do not respond to when you tell them this is what this is. Take, for instance, a simple thing. Indiabagandota. There is nothing wrong with Indiabagandota. Except that Sabre went to build that thing there. And I said Indiabagandota is a very important uh, mountain in the history of the Amaklos. Mm. Especially in that part of the world. Why don't we revitalize this place? No, Tsagana is no Tsagana is not Umdabandoda in his poetry Umkai. Umkai Uti Lendabagandoda is Sigelin, Lendabagandoda is Tamsangalin, Tichoguni Samakosin, Tichoguni Matolonyong. In Dabagandoda there was a huge battle there between the Khoi San 
end the courses when they arrived. Mm. For example, I explained to somebody the other day, where does this thing of reference to the congregational church as Ikhabe come from? Okay. And I said, that Ikhabe, the Khoisan used to say, that's why it's called Ikhabe. What's right? It's only recently the people Basab Kosini Kwahabe, they are now members of the Ethiopian Episcopal Church, okay. which is to be the Ethiopian order, the order of Ethiopia. Quest questions the post about Facebook. Is it pressure power? <laughs> Or Pesha Pa. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, I was doing the Rugby World Cup in 1995. Mm. And uh, I kept saying Pesha Okay. And uh, there was a narrative by my friends who started saying, some white guy said, you're saying pressure power. <laughs> what is this pressure power to me? I said, no, it's not pressure power. It's pressure power. power. <laughs> you, maybe you On should, the you far should, side you should, of the You world. should trademark or copyright <laughs> the <laughs> On the far side of the field. Pressure power. Yeah. Oh, Michael Buffer, they're probably making him mm. go... Let's get ready. Let's get ready to rumble. You know, it it is it is such. For instance, you don't get. For instance, if you throw a flurry of punches in boxing, Okay, and it gives you the picture. Yes, because imvula iwa wow, and. We don't get those like that language. One of the things I, I normally say to people is, a language is idiom. Mm. If you don't know the idiom of your language, forget it. Towards the end, yes. Uh, on on that experience, yeah, you interview Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson. Oh, Mike Tyson arrives here. Okay, brought out by. Mike Tyson was going to come as how's the saw. No, Mike Tyson arrives and brought out by uh, Rodney Berman. Mm. And we then decide, and then there was a discussion who's going to do the interview. But somebody at SABC wanted the interview to be done by Gwen. And somebody said, no, not Gwen. There was a big fight between the bosses at the SABC and the executive producer for boxing. The executive producer of boxing said, no, no, no. I'm going to have Gwen do the interview at Dumilizia. <laughs> so we get this exclusive to talk to Mike Tyson. What year is this? It is recently, I think it was 1980, 2000 and, I think it was 2000 and, was 2007, 2008, 2010. Okay, okay. Around 2010. Okay. And we get this exclusive. We went to the hotel, sat there, and we start the interview. We do the interview. And I did some research on him. I discover he was made, he was given an honorary degree by some university, by a friend of his who owned the, in America, people own universities. Okay. And he was given a degree. And I asked him about this. Mm. And he said, no, he's just so-and-so tried to make me look good. And I said, <laughs> at the end, when I was closing, the interview, that was my last question. Mm. And I said, like everything else in life, Mike Tyson didn't take the awarding of a degree 
an honorary degree to him seriously <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but but how how was it though no he's, he's a very approachable intimidating? person no he's not intimidating he's a very he's a very kind person uh people normally make think some seem to think sometimes i'm going to I intimidated now many people thought I was intimidating mm -hmm. because probably I spoke too much English I don't mm -hmm. know and people would say one day I walked into a friend of mine who was a lawyer and I walked into his office a white friend mm. I walked into his office before me there was a guy from the West Indies who was there and this lady who was making tea probably thought this is a black man from South Africa and spoke to him in Sesotho <laughs> okay. and he said no no I don't understand language and I came in and she asked, is she also from there? <laughs> <laughs> is it because of the accent? Yeah. Where does this accent come from? I've heard that OT, you are the first black model, see? Or some no, people no, no. call you no, no, no. Where does people it come ask, from? People normally ask, but where do you get this accent? Because yeah. there were no model C's during your day. Yeah. I said, no, no, no. I taught myself to speak like okay. this. Okay. I taught myself to speak Afrikaans, the way Afrikaans should be spoken. Mm. I taught myself to speak English, the way English is bespoken. And that's probably one of the reasons you ended up doing what you're doing, because it's about languages, right? It's about languages. And how yeah. you express yourself. Mm, it's about languages. Okay. I'm going to throw you, I'm going to throw a term at you. going to say a is term. Is this thing on Facebook? Uh, not yet. <laughs> no, I put up in the oh, Facebook. Said... On this day, I'm going to be interviewing mm. Udumile Mateza. So if you have any questions for him, uh, you can leave them here. Zambos. Obviously, Kabandu, they, they, they wanted the Twitter thing asked. But now these are just terms. And these are and I want your opinion on your view on these. <clears throat> what is your view on the spring box? The the rapid team, obviously. In, in in what way? In whatever comes to mind when I say the spring box. What's your view on the spring box? Uh my view of the spring box, I uh I have nothing against the Springboks mm. as a team, but I have something against the heritage, the legacy of the Springbok team, because one, simply because it was a team that was used by the Afrikaners as part of the power, a power base. That's what they use it for. And one of the presidents of the South African rugby board then, Danny Craven, once made a very pertinent statement and said, black people will only wear the Springbok blazer over his dead body. Mm. I'm happy he's dead. Utani Craven, we Craven Week? Yes. You say Craven Week? You say Craven Week. How do we carry on with this in Dwezenjalo, Nelekasiza, Bandabanjal? You say Craven Week. I've got nothing against that. You can stay the Craven Week. <laughs> Because there's also the Pitam Kata week, there's also the Grand Koma week. Uh. What's your take on spot quotas? Well, I don't think quotas count anymore because people get into the team uh, because they deserve to be there. Mm. We don't speak of quotas anymore. That, that, uh, doc, that vo vocabulary is running out of time, running out of its time. I don't think anybody speaks of quotas anymore. The future. What does it hold? For? For you. For sport. In <laughs> for sport in well, one of the big things in this country is that we have not realized, it's few, few sports have realized, some have not, 
that sport is not leisure, sport is business. There's a concept that I'm working on, a program concept, television program concept, which I have been struggling to get people to get traction to it. Don't give out all your ideas. You know about our cool. <laughs> to get days. traction to it, which is called the business of sport. Okay. The business of sport deals largely with issues like sponsorship, broadcast rights, uh, stadium management, player management, and all of those things around merchandise, sports merchandise, all of those things around the business of sport mm. and uh, listing of, com- of, sports, of, of, of sports bodies and soccer clubs at the Johannesburg Stock Exchange, which has not happened in South Africa. Mm. And in summary, Jay, maybe you've done a lot of interviews. I mean, I was checking you out on social media and on, on, on Google. Is there one question that maybe you don't get asked and you always wish? I wish these guys could ask me this question <laughs> when they call me for these interviews. Well, uh, no, not necessarily. No, okay. I, I don't have such a question. Probably I thought you would ask me, is there a question? I've asked the question mm. many times. One of the biggest problems we sit with in, in Africa, I said to you earlier, is the fact that many of the African countries that we are looking to as friends and uh, are they lack one thing it's the understanding of what it means to be a constitutional democracy mm. what does it mean to be a constitutional democracy mm. what what we do in insulting and throwing all sorts of things at our president mm. You'll never do in Zimbabwe. You'll never do in in Nigeria. You'll never do anywhere else in Africa. And that is the problem. Because at the end of the day, in a democracy, it is the people that are supreme. Mm -hmm. In a constitutional democracy, it is the people that are supreme. And not, if we understand that, Mm. and not parliament, and not the minister. Uh, that's why I have a big fight with ministers in this country who seem to think that they are the... I said, no, no, wait a moment. It is the constitution that takes precedence over you. Martin? Well, that's a question that is not being answered in many words because I've asked the question, do we relish the fact that we are a constitutional democracy, or do we think it's 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 problematic to be a constitutional democracy? It is problematic because we ask the difficult questions. Mm. But how do people then take hold of their power and 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 own this democracy and these freedoms? That people should fight for their freedoms. When I said to you earlier, I was writing a letter. I was writing a letter to Sasa. Mm. I went, because I'm 62, I went to apply to get the grant because I want to use it elsewhere. Mm. And I was then told they had calculated my grant in taking my wife's income into consideration. Mm. And I was writing a letter quoting Section 27 of the Constitution, where Mm. Section 27 says everybody is entitled to social security. So I am at pensionable age. Mm-hmm. You can't then use my wife's income to decide what 
to pay me mm-hmm. because it's not my wife who's at pension mm-hmm. it's me mm-hmm. i would have understood if it was me who was getting that salary then i don't need and it's an individuals right yes. not a group yes <gasps> so right. i'm fighting this mm-hmm. i've written this long letter which I've copied, I'm copying the Minister of Social Development, I'm copying the CEO of Sasa, I'm giving it to the people down in Johannesburg where I went to apply, so that they see I'm not stupid, I know what I'm talking about. Last thing, a message to someone who looks up to Udumile Matez. Well, do I have a message? Uh, I can quote somebody who said, I think in the old days, we used to have this quote when we were at school by uh, Sir Winston Churchill. Um, I'm, I'm sorry, I, always, I go back to the colonial days most of the time. And we are told Sir Winston Churchill failed and failed and failed and failed his matric at school. But he ended up becoming the Prime Minister of the United Kingdom at the most difficult times of running that administration when there was a war, the Second World War. And he said, you must always try and try and try again.